You're listening to Mentoring Developers, episode 76. Welcome to Mentoring Developers, the podcast for new and aspiring software developers, where we discuss your struggles, anxieties, and career choices. And now, here's your host, Arsalan Ahmed. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to Mentoring Developers. Our guest today wears many hats. He is a CTO. He's a podcaster. He's a solution architect. He has done consulting. He has done a lot of different types of work. And he has achieved a lot of success in a very short time. His name is Noah Labhart. And I think you're going to enjoy this discussion because... We're going to talk about how he got to where he is, how he got to start, and how his story can inspire you if you are a new or aspiring software developer or someone who likes technology, wants to get into it, and not really sure how to do it or how to achieve great heights. I think this episode will help you. So I hope you enjoy this. I hope you listen to it until the end and give us your feedback at... You know the website, mentoringdevelopers.com. You can also send us an email at us at mentoringdevelopers.com. Let's get into this episode right now. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of Mentoring Developers. Today, I have a special guest. His name is Noah Labhart, and he is an entrepreneur. He is a CTO of a startup, but he's also a fellow podcaster. Welcome, Noah. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's really good to have you. We we want to talk about so many things that, that happened to you, how you started. You have a very interesting and fascinating career because a lot of us would like to be in your place. Let's be honest. You're doing some cool <laughs> stuff. Uh, but what I want to start with is something that happened to you, something that was pivotal. And uh, let's talk about that. What is the thing that happened? Absolutely. So, you know, when I, in 2015, I stepped out of my own, um, you know, I've been working in tech for a while, uh, decided to step out onto my own into entrepreneurship and, uh, took on a, a pretty decent sized project, but a fully remote project where my client was in New Hampshire and I'm in Texas. So, uh, I was in uh, DFW and, um, you know, brought on a few developers to help me uh, to to build a you know sort of online platform with mobile apps for a salon. Um, I don't know anything about uh, running a salon business or how uh, apps should work or interact, but I know how to write software. So I thought, you know, I'd, and I'd run many projects before. I thought this would be a piece of cake. Um, bid the project way too low. Uh, did not have enough uh, money to cover the expenses for my developers. Worked for a while, um, got some of the product built and essentially ran out of money and had to go back to the client and say, hey, I cannot uh, deliver this for you. Um, I can't get it developed. I can't develop it by myself. Um, I can't uh, I can't deliver it for you the way that you want it in the budget that we allotted. And that was my fault. And I tried to give her all the code that I had written um, as 
um, something for what she paid for. And she didn't like that at all. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we started to talk, uh, about legal, uh, conversations about, uh, getting lawyers involved and ended up, I had to refund all of the money that she had paid me for my personal savings. Um, and that was my first project out of the gate into the entrepreneurial world. Uh, so it was a, wow. uh, it was a, a tough, tough start. Um, tough, tough start to get out, get out into the world. But I learned so much, um, from that experience. Uh, I would never want to do it again, but I learned so much that helped me throughout the years. Okay. So for listeners who are, um, listening to us or viewers are watching right now and they're not really sure exactly uh, the parameters of what's happening. You're talking about uh, going out on your own, starting a consulting company. Mm -hmm. And in that consulting company, there there's companies out there that they need some work done so they could, they could hire some, another firm or another person to do it. And now you're starting this new company. You have people that are working for you. And together you're building this thing for somebody. They're, they're paying you for that. Now, there are two ways of doing that. You could charge by the every hour that you work, mm -hmm. or you could charge a fixed price based mm -hmm. on what you think the work is. And um, so there, the, there, there are two ways of doing it. And there, there are arguments on both sides. And most, most of the time you're paying by the hour. So if it, the work goes over, then that's not necessarily your problem because the, well, the client will have to pay for that. So that's why a lot of companies, most companies like mm. to do what's called time and materials. Now for you and I, we know this, but a lot of people who are starting out, they're not sure what that means. So times and time and materials is usually how it goes, but sometimes it could be very lucrative or risky in your case. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, to to just assume you know everything about what needs to be done and all the parameters and all the variables and give a fixed price without any clauses in your contract where it give you an out. So that's what happened to you. And that changes. So, But you survived that. I mean, you didn't give up. You didn't say, oh, goodness, I'm not cut out for this. Let me just get a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we stuck it out. And, uh, I say we, because, uh, my wife, uh, was, was the one who was telling me to, it's going to be all right. Uh, this is part of the journey. You learned a lesson here and now let's get back up and, and go figure out how we're going to do this thing. So she, she gets all the credit for me crying in the corner, uh, <laughs> and, and making sure that I got up to keep going. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, kept going and, and, um, learned a lot. That is fantastic. I think, um, and then in a few short years, you, you turned it around, right? You you became quite successful. Could, could you consider? Would you consider yourself successful today? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I've definitely had some wins. Um, I, I I'm very I'm very happy with the the wins that I've had, uh, the successes that I've had. Um, being you know a, a CTO right now at a startup, um, a growing startup, a thriving startup, which is great. Uh, a podcast host myself, um, having done the consulting thing and run an agency, I learned a lot from that. I got to work with a lot of interesting projects and people. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go back and change it. I wouldn't want to go through some of the things again, but <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah. happy where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah. So for a lot of people, they get lucky and their first project is amazing and they get a good client that goes for a few years 
and they just get lucky, but you can't expect luck to happen to you every time. So if there's mm. somebody out there who's maybe has some experience in software development and they're thinking, you know, maybe I could do that because maybe there are no good jobs or maybe you just feel like you can be your own boss. And there are lots of people who are well suited to this, mm. but they're not sure how to get started. So uh, before we go into more details about how you started, which is really what I'm interested in in learning about you and, and sharing with the audience, I do want to know if you think that that someone who's starting out in consulting or trying to work independently in some in some fashion mm. and getting paid for it and making a living out of that, do you think they need to have a good deal of experience behind them working in companies and dealing with the issues that come up or could they be just people who know programming and they just want to start? Sure. That's an, that's a really interesting question. You know, certainly, certainly if you have the experience, right, if you've done the things, if you've lived through the projects, if you've made the mistakes and come out on the other side, you're going to be more equipped. But I don't know that it's exactly necessary, especially these days with so many resources out there. There's so much at the, you know, at the click of a mouse or the, you know, typing your keyboard into Google, there, there is endless resources out there about how to, you know, do some consulting or go do a project for someone as just a software developer. Um, and, and so I, I don't think that you need to have this vast many years of experience to go out on your own. Um, I, what I would say though, and this is something that I did learn from that project and something that I would, would have wished I would have told myself, but now that I know it, I, I know that I wouldn't have listened back then. And then this was the only way for me to learn it. <laughs> um, but, uh, would, I wish that, um, someone would have told me or I would have known, um, to start small. Uh, to not bite off more than more than you can chew to start with a project or start with you know something that you know and um, from that uh, uh, find your successes right so take a project so, so just, just example walking through this take a take a take a project and complete it successfully right um, deliver it make the money and then you know, have that win under your belt and then take on a little more, build on that success, uh, and then grow with those successes, kind of grow with your successes, with your growth. Um, you will, you will not, it will not be required that you have all the experiences to, if you take it, take that approach. Um, that's, that's what I would say to people jumping out there on their own is like, just take it, take it one step at a time. That's really good advice. Uh, another thing that comes to mind is, the idea that you are an expert in a certain technology. So if I know a domain, a type of business, mm -hmm. and I know a little bit of programming, then I think uh, it's a very lethal mix. It's, I think it's very, very, very good for a client to have someone who knows a type of business really well and who knows some programming. Mm -hmm. um, versus it could be someone who's very good at programming but doesn't have knowledge of a particular domain. So what we like to do sometimes is we like to say that you have to diversify a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you could mm -hmm. either diversify in technology mm -hmm. or you could diversify in industries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? As someone starting out, 
if you have figured it out, then you, you, you don't need to listen to this podcast. But <laughs> but the, the people that I am concerned about are people who are who haven't figured it out. So mm-hmm. what do you say about that? Uh, is it a good idea to focus on a technology? Because what can happen, I can I can tell you, you can talk to a, a customer or you can go to a business conference or some some place somehow you found somebody who has a problem and they they don't know how to solve it and you can offer a solution to them mm-hmm. if they are completely blank and completely not really versed in technology or they don't have any technology and you're just creating your technology then you could use whatever technology that you are you're good at you could be a php developer for instance and they won't care mm-hmm. but If there is an existing business with an existing infrastructure, let's say they're a Java shop and they have um, all of their investment in Java, and uh, but you don't know Java, mm. uh, maybe you're a Ruby developer, and mm. um, so at that point you can say, "Well, I'm sorry, I can't do this because I I don't do Java," mm-hmm. or you could say. Um, But I, I have exper- expertise in your domain, so um, I I will make it work with you. I'll learn it enough that I can make it work. So you see the the challenge here with people when they're starting out. Um, should, would you pursue, if you go back to your old self, would you mm-hmm. pursue those um, these types of clients where the technology was a mismatch? Mm, I, I definitely, um, well, it's interesting because there's kind of, I have two answers, I would say. Um, so Noah, I'll answer as Noah the developer and Noah the agency owner. Um, Noah the developer would pursue all of it. <clears throat> um, and I think that the reason is because at the end of the day, if it's PHP, if it's Java, if it's .NET, um, if it's Node, you know, if it's JavaScript, if it's, um, if it's a language, There are, you know, similar, similar structures, similar, you know, ways to instantiate variables, ways to go object oriented, right? You can quick, as a developer, you can quickly learn the nuances of a language. Um, so I think I, I no other developer wouldn't, uh, hesitate to be like, yeah, that's in .NET. Uh, maybe I haven't done .NET in, you know, five years. Um, but I understand programming. I understand your domain. Um, I understand, you know, what type of problem you're solving. So really it's just about, Hey, I need a couple hours to know what the syntax is to do X, Y, Z, and then I'll go, I'll go develop it. So that's, that's no other developer. Um, no other agency owner that, you know, had, had a team of mobile developers, um, native mobile developers, uh, and, and a point of view on, um, on mobile development uh, that that was siding with native mobile development over, say, uh, Cordova-based, web-based type uh, mobile development or even cross-platform React Native stuff um, would have pushed towards clients that were either native only or wanted to go native or were okay with native. Uh, and that's because that's the team I had. Um, could Could we... Could we have branched out and done other development? Yes, but the people that I brought on 
were passionate about native development and that's why I brought them on. So we, there's kind of mixed bags there. Uh, but as, as no other developer who's going out and doing consulting and doing projects, I'd say I'll go learn, I'll go learn what I need to, um, because I understand the domain. If that, that makes sense. It does. So, yeah. So when you are starting out, um, some would say you can't afford to say no. So just say yes to everything <laughs> and keep going until you are in a place where you have um, your feet on the ground solidly and you are, you know what you're about. It's, there is a very good case for specialization because mm -hmm. sometimes that helps you differentiate yourself from the crowd. Right. If you are a developer, then you are one of millions of developers and there's nothing special about you, right? Mm -hmm. But you have right. to, if you say you are a developer for insurance companies mm. or you develop a certain type of application, maybe you, you create courses for universities and maybe not a programmer per se, but you use technology to create courseware. Mm -hmm. that's right. very, very specific. And then you can target that. So there's, there's some benefit in that, but when you are starting out, um, you shouldn't be wedded to a technology, right? You, yeah, that's right. You, you could, and then it, it would become easier over time as long mm -hmm. as the client doesn't mind that you don't have that, that experience. So all good stuff. So now let's go back to what we really wanted to talk about. <laughs> Uh, this is great. Uh, I didn't expect to, to be talking about uh, entrepreneurship because that's personally uh, a topic that I love. Because I tried, Absolutely. I tried to do it. I, I did some independent consulting over over the years, and never quite succeeded. Uh, to mm. be to be honest, and but we can talk about that at some other time. Right now, I want to I want to learn about you. So, when did you become interested in programming? When was it, this moment for you when you were growing up, when you became aware of computers, programming, and things like that? Sure. It, it's interesting. I, I actually didn't get a, an actual computer until I was a junior in high school um, and didn't do programming at all, um, really until the middle of college. So I got, got into school and um, started to started off doing computer engineering at Texas A&M um, and was doing basic engineering courses and uh, was not uh, too focused, I'd say. Uh, we'll put it, <laughs> put it in a nice way. Not too focused on going to class uh, these early years. Um, you know, didn't do too well. Ended up changing majors to applied mathematics. Um, and it was applied mathematics towards computer science. It was really math. Um, I hadn't taken any programming classes yet, uh, but I lived with a computer engineering major. One of my really good friends named Rylan Barnes. Uh, he's a successful tank entrepreneur. And um, I would watch Rylan code in our dorm room. Uh, I would just create things. You know, it would it could be it could be something that was a little artistic or it could be, you know, he was he built a textbook trading website for the AM campus, uh, you know, built projects for his classes and things and um you know just watch him do that i was like you know this is this looks really fun it's really creative I'm a, I'm a creative guy um i'm, I'm left-brained and right-brained which means i have a lot of headaches <laughs> right in the middle or the left and the right right brain meet and i I, I watched him do that. I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try, I'm, I'm going to build my own personal website where I can just put some pictures up and that'd be, that'd be fun. Uh, so I did that, you know, 
classic HTML, JavaScript, um, CSS stuff, you know, and got real nerdy with it. And it was, it was really fun. Um, then I started taking in some of my computer science minor classes, um, did some Java, did some uh, C++, cut my teeth. That and I just really loved it. It made sense to me. Um, made sense. So once I started doing that, I really started getting into the coding aspect of of um, of my minor. Um, got to my senior year and was getting ready to graduate um, with an applied mathematics degree. And I was like, you know, I don't want to go be a professor. I don't want to go get my master's in math. I don't want to go be an actuary. I don't want to do any of that. Um, statistics is, is was really interesting to me and still is. But I didn't want to go do that full time. And so I decided to stay another year and get a computer science degree as well. Um and go through the full gamut of the senior classes. And at the same time, I was also working as an intern with um, Hewlett Packard. Um, and so I was doing .NET development, sort of, you know, semi-professionally. So I saw what that job would feel like and look like. And so I was like, yeah, I got to do this full time. This has got to be my job. Um, so that's kind of the story where it started. Yeah, that's fascinating. Some people start early and some people start late. But mm. all of us can arrive at the same destination and within a very short period of time mm -hmm. uh, it, it didn't take you 20 years to be where you are and so that's really good to know um, a lot of people that i meet they are um, undecided uh, sure. their majors are not declared they're not really sure what to do when they're in college some some people are in in high school a lot of times what i see is that people are just not interested in in programming because they've been told by so many people that you have to do STEM and they have to do STEM. And mm. it's just a, it's a visceral reaction. Like I'm not going to do what I'm told, <laughs> but um, I see that with my daughters, by the way, I've, mm. I've small daughters and uh, when they were young, um, I had some influence in them when they were younger. And mm -hmm. um, my, my daughter started programming with scratch when she was five uh, but now, now she's ten, and she's uh, yeah, she's done. She's, she's done with that. <laughs> um, but but potential. I see she has potential. I see other people. It's so much potential, but they don't see the point of it. And then part of it is because I'm telling her that's a good thing, so she has to not do it, right? Right. <laughs> but right. it is a good thing, folks, because uh, the world is becoming. Um, is running on software and whatever is not being run on software will be run on software very soon. So mm. if you're in high school, if you're listening, you're, you're, you're in middle school, high school right now, by the time you're working, you should know some level of software development. It may not be programming, maybe some mm. something else, but whatever it is, you need to deal with software. So if you're in on it, if you start, that's what I tell everybody. If you start at 10 and you start working through anything you want to do, but it's in this case programming and making software, making things using computers, then mm -hmm. by the time you're 20, you do two hours a day, two hours a day. Start from when you're 10 years old. By the time you're 20, you're going to be an expert. You're going to be mm -hmm. so much ahead of everybody else. Um, and, and then you because you have the time unfortunately between 10 and 20 you have so much free time from mm -hmm. 20 to 30 that's a lot less than 30 to 40 it just gets worse <laughs> it doesn't get better 
So my advice to everybody is is to if you feel like something you uh, programming or anything else, any other skill that you were good at it, just pursue it as soon as you can. Spend some time and and um, and learn it. And if you don't use it, that's fine. But you can always come back to it. That's right. Totally agree with that. So you got started in college and by the time you graduated you had this computer science degree which is great and you live in in north texas right where jobs are not a, not a problem you you have tons of jobs for computer professionals and there are lots of companies so one of my favorite uh, places to to live as a as a tech person is in the dallas fort worth area i mm. think it's just fantastic i've been there many times it's it's lovely to 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 go there and meet people and uh, I've never heard of a person struggling to get a job there. So that's uh, <laughs> there are there are quite a few. Yeah, but did so? Did you get a job after that? What did you do? Yeah, so after um, after I graduated, I went to work for a company called Software Architects. Uh, they're no longer called that. They're called Sajeti. Uh, they were bought by Sajeti, um, but a smaller sort of Dallas Fort Worth based uh, consulting firm doing .NET, uh, ASP.NET development. So I did that for for about a year. Uh, got to work for Pure One Imports as a consultant and build a couple of things for them, some internal systems um, for them, um, and sort of did the projects on my own with 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 one other person. Uh, a couple other people that were, you know, points of contact at the company. And so it was a great experience. I had to sort of manage myself. I had to design software. I had to build it. Um, I had to get approval for things. And um, it was a really good experience. Um, had I had lots of mentors around me, um, some older folks that were uh, consultants working on different projects, but they could speak into what I was doing. So it was really helpful, too, early on in those days. So it's funny because I know uh, a few people who have worked at that company, uh, really? software, uh, software <laughs> architects, and um, and uh, they have gone on to do great things. Um, okay, so um, that's good. You got your first job. You worked there for a little bit. At that point, were you thinking, you know, maybe I could do this myself. I could probably, if I get a client, I can do this myself. Or what? what happened after that? You left the job or you got another job or what did you do? Sure. Um, interesting. It's an interesting turn of events. So I uh, was playing in a rock band um, and I left uh, Software Architects um, to go work at Alcon Laboratories, which is in um, South Fort Worth. Uh, I worked for Alcon for eight years, which is, which is interesting. As a software developer, um, Alcon is very much a big corporation, right? It's more IT, it's more buy versus build, more configuration. Um, and uh, I was playing in a rock band that was closer to my bandmates was that job. So I went went and worked at that job. Great company. Um, I learned a lot and I still did software on the side. So the .NET development on the side, um, mostly for my uncle. Um, he did. He's a entrepreneur himself and needed .NET development done occasionally on different projects. So I kept my chops up that way, um, but also learned project management, also learned um, managing a team, um, managing budgets. You know, as I moved up the ranks in, at Alcon, I learned a lot of sort of entrepreneurial or, or say business related learning. Um, 
got my PMP while I was there, got my MBA while I was there. Um, and, and, and so I walked away with a lot of rich knowledge to put on top of or pair with, um, a lot of my development skills that I was, uh, I was keeping up. So I worked there for, for eight years before, before finally leaving in, uh, 2015. That's great. So, um, for people who are listening and wondering what a PMP is, what an MBA is. So let, let's just describe it quickly. So MBA is easy. You're sure. getting a degree in business administration. It helps you manage teams, I suppose, in, in larger corp- corporations and PMP, mm-hmm. um, is a certification where you are, why don't you describe it? Sure. So PMP is a project management professional. So through the PMI organization, uh, project management Institute. Uh, so you have to sit in a, uh, basically a four hour, uh, exam and 200, 200 or 300 questions. I don't remember. Um, but a long exam and you have to essentially prove that, you know, everything there is to know about project management. Um, and you, you study the, the PMBOK, that's what it's called. It's a project management book of knowledge. Uh, it's, it's about two inches thick of project management stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I went and did that, um, and learned a lot of different project management methodologies. I don't use all of them every day, but I use the foundations of that, uh, as a manager, as a developer, as a project manager, all of it. Um, so it was really helpful, um, just professionally. Okay, let's talk about mentorship. Now, a lot of times when people are starting out, they don't have anybody to look up to. Mm. Uh, usually, the, your dad's not a programmer, right? Usually what happens is you're you're just starting out and you could be the first one in to go to college in your family or you could be the only person who's interested in technology. So what would be great if we had a system of mentoring new developers where you mm. when you started at a job um there's a there's an organic group or maybe it's a very systematic way of mentoring people where they can let's say for the first six months or a year someone is assigned to help them along make sure they they're successful from the point of view of the developer, not the point of view of the company. Cause mm-hmm. that's what usually happens when they say, when they assign you a person is supposed to watch over you and not to help mm-hmm. you. So that's the different attitude. Did you have any kind of experiences like that where you had some kind of mentorship, somebody you could look up to talk to and would guide you? Sure. Um, I did. Uh, and, you know, there were different, it was different every time. You know, when I was working at Software Architects, there were some senior consultants there that really kind of spoke into, you know, how the things you want to look at and learn and pay attention to, to be successful as a consultant. Um, and not only just as a consultant for Software Architects, but as a as a software architect for corporations or as a software architect for building solutions. Um, so they, they were able to speak into that early on. Um, for me, when I was at, uh, Alcon, it was a little more, my managers end up being my mentors. Um, a couple of managers were really, um, were really influential in the, some of the things that I went to do and to learn. Uh, Chris Giannetti at Alcon Laboratories is one I can mention. Uh, he he definitely pushed me towards the PMP, towards the MBA, and, and gave me a lot of opportunities to say, okay, I want you to go figure this out because I know that you can. Uh, I'm going to help you along the way. I'm going to coach you. I'm going I'm to ask you the right questions to get you thinking. Um, but he definitely 
put me in the right places and introduced me to the right people to where I could, I could make a name for myself. Um, from an entrepreneur standpoint, uh, a lot of the mentors that I, that I clung to or clinged to, or however you're supposed to say that, um, were other agency owners, um, not, not even, uh, development agency owners, but just other sort of entrepreneurial business, um, owners, uh, design agency owners, um, friends that I could kind of talk to and be like, Hey, this is where I'm struggling. You know, what did you do for, for X, Y, and Z? Um, and uh, you know that that didn't really help me in the in the coding arena, um, but it helped me in the survival of entrepreneurship arena. Um, so I think I think mentorships, uh, I think mentors are critical. And and I like that you said not sort of um, company assigned mentors. I honestly think that although I had some company assigned mentors and they were great, I think the best mentors for for me personally have been the ones that are outside of the company I'm currently working with. Um, because they don't speak into the agenda of, of the company, um, which all companies do. And they, those agendas aren't bad things, um, but they speak into the individual, right? Like, okay, this is what's important to you, Noah. Um, and this is where you are struggling. Uh, this is what I might recommend you do, or this is a question I would ask you to get you thinking along these lines to see, or to get you to think about outside of how you'd solve this for the company, but how would you solve this for yourself? Um, and so I, I really, I gained a lot of insight from mentors outside of those companies. That's good to know. Um, so if you are starting out, someone who's listening, who's starting out, they don't know how to find a mentor like this in a different company. What do you think, what should they do? You know, I, I would, um, I would advise them or suggest that they just be bold and find someone who they, they look up to one, um, but who, who are doing the things that they want to do and, and ask them how they did it. And, you know, it's, it's a very, it's a very flattering thing to be like, Hey, I want you to be my mentor. I think you're doing really great stuff and I want to know how you did it. And I want to get to where you are. Um, could you help me? You know, and, and sometimes people will be like, thank you. I don't, I don't have time to be a mentor and that's okay. You know, don't, don't be afraid of rejection like that, but, um, it, it, cause it's not really rejection. It's just like, I don't have the, the bandwidth. Um, but be bold and just ask, find, find the people that are doing what you want to do and, and go ask them how they did it. Right. And to find those people, you may have to go to, <clears throat> excuse me, you may have to go to meetups, um, other events where conferences and so on, where people go, right. Cause they're mm -hmm. not in your company. Um, you can't really usually waltz into another company's office and ask for mentors, but you <laughs> probably meet them in, in common places. And usually meetups are great, code mm -hmm. meetups. Now, these days, that's a little challenging. Sure. But um, because we are trying to avoid um, having these live meetups or in-person in meetups. But what I've noticed is that a lot of uh, these in-person meetups have been replaced by, by online meetups. And a lot of times you, it's a lot easier to be honest, to approach somebody online. That's right. So yeah. there's a, we could use that to our advantage. Um, now someone starting out, um, or let's say that you're starting out, what would, what advice would you give to your own self when you're starting out as to how you could 
Let me rephrase that. What would you do differently if you were starting out? Sure. Um, you know, I've thought about this before. Um, you know, what I would do different or what I would tell myself, I'd go back and say, Hey, you know, shake my shoulders a little bit. I would tell myself to be bold, to go, to go do it. Um, you know, to grab the technology, um, learn it, uh, as much as it takes to start building and then learn it along the way. Um, find a problem and go solve it. You know, I think that Early on, I and I still struggle with this a bit. Early on, I would get caught up in, you know, I don't want to go build that solution because it's probably not going to amount to anything. Um, well, it will. It will. It will amount to something. Even if you build it and no one uses it and you throw it away, you have learned a ton from building that solution, from solving a problem, from beginning to end. Um and, and it's not about, it's really the gains that you get as a developer. It's not about the delivering the product. Now, as you do that more and more, you will see successes in delivering those products and people using them as well. But just jump out there and build stuff. Uh, grab the technology, learn it enough, and go create something uh, and put it in front of people. And don't be afraid to, to hear feedback. So, yeah, be bold. Yeah, I think feedback is very important. We don't want to... Uh, we want to learn the truth about us, how people are, are observing us, what are their, uh, what's their feedback on our work and also our presentation. And there's so much help out there because a lot of people are willing to help. They just don't know how to do that. So mm -hmm. sometimes you just give them the opportunity to help you, which is great. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so then you you became a CTO and that's a big, <laughs> that's, that's something big. It, um, I don't think we have the time today to go into all the details of, of how that came about. But uh, before we close, I do want to um, ask you about your podcast. How how did you get started in that? What made you want to start a podcast? Sure. Uh, so I, I was having, there's two reasons. One, I was having all of these conversations with CTOs, um, kind of, you know, peer conversations of how do you solve this? Or, you know, how, how are you approaching scalability and your solutions and X, Y, Z? And, and I was like, Hey, I'm having all these great conversations with great CTOs. I should record them. I'm sure that people would want to listen to them. And at the same time, I am kind of a podcast junkie. I really like how I built this with Guy Raz. Um, and it was very inspirational and, and how I I've, I've crafted some of the stories in code story, uh, which is my podcast, but I started it, um, because I really couldn't find that type of podcast just for tech. Um, and not even just, just, uh, just for tech, but just for startup tech. Um, I, I wanted to listen to a story about, uh, from the CTO's perspective, from the tech visionary's perspective of how they experience the, the human experience um, creating products. And, t and tech is a part of that, right? Because as, as CTOs, um, as software developers, as tech visionaries, that's our tool. Right? That's our hammer. That's our nails uh, is, is the technology. So we're going to inevitably talk about technology. But what I'm really after is tell me the human story, what you went through when you built an MVP, you know, and you were thinking about scale scalability when you, um, you know, when you decided to take on some technical debt and use a framework early that you knew you were going to scratch later. Right. Um, how was it building a team? Did you run into any bad eggs? You know, how did you go through that? Right. Um, what would you go back and say uh, to your former 
former self, uh, or what would you go back and do differently now that you now that you know what you know? Um, but it's really about that. It's like the human side of tech tech development um, early on in, in a startup. So I didn't I didn't see uh, a, I didn't see a podcast out there like that. So I was like, you know, what? I'm gonna go do it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go build it myself. Um, and see what happens. And, and so now we're, we're 40, 40 ish episodes in and, um, I, it's really fun. I get to have the, the most, uh, the coolest conversations with CTOs about the stuff they've built and learned about their stories and what they were feeling, um, you know, how they approach different problems. And it's uh, it's really fun stuff. Yeah. I think that's a, always a good reason, um, to scratch your own itch when you're, when you're, um, starting out in something and this is how this podcast started i wanted it to mm. exist so i made it happen <laughs> it's a very right. good reason i like it uh, people who are listening to this right now uh, i was listening to you attentively hopefully people are also paying attention so you mentioned a couple of things we want to make sure we untangle those terms um you said mvp and um, um there was something else you said that i don't remember <laughs> right now but but uh, an mvp is the minimum product that you want to build for a, a new idea or maybe a, a startup company that solves the smallest set of problems, but it proves the concept, right? The idea That's is right. That you're, so that you're not wasting time building something massive that nobody wants. So, so that's what MVP is. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was something else that that I don't remember. I should have taken notes of that, but <laughs> but uh, but with this podcast, one of the goals is to is to explain every term because a lot of times we throw terminology, expecting mm-hmm. people to know, and that that is good. I know it, and you know it, but uh, new people get intimidated by that. And you would be sure. surprised how many people have told me that this has helped them tremendously. When they listen to my podcast, they know that um, they will get all the content, but we will explain it a little bit so it won't be so, so mysterious. So yeah, that's great. That's that's good. And I'm, I'm glad that you your podcast is doing well. Um, what's the website where they can find it? It's uh, codestory.co, or they can just search Code Story on any major podcast directory. Code Story. So if you're listening to this and you'd like to know how – people design their architecture, I suppose, uh, for startup companies. If you're interested in startup culture and uh, tech around that, I'm sure that you'll enjoy the the podcast Code Story. And you're in a rock band. So for me, that's very interesting because because uh, <laughs> I'm not in any band. I'm not very good, but I'd like to play guitar. So what is uh, what do you play? Sure. So I've, I've played guitar, uh, for 16, 16 or 17 years now. Um, so I played lead guitar and I was backup vocals. Um, our, our band is actually still on Spotify, so you can check it out. It's called, um, it's called withheld. It's like a <clears throat> female led hard rock, uh, band. So it's like an evanescence kind of thing. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still out there if you want to check it out. Well, that's good. What kind of guitars do you have? Oh, um, I have a, a, a some hanging on my walls right here. I have a a, a PRS um, McCarty 22. Uh, I've got a um, uh, 
Uh, what's the other one here? I've got a Martin acoustic. Um, I used to play, I've, I've sold a bunch of them. Um, cause I don't, I don't play in the band anymore, but I used to play some Schecters. I used to have three or four Schecters that I would, um, kind of do some custom humbuckers, uh, in, in the, in the bridge and, uh, rock those cause they look really cool. Uh, I've got a American Telecaster as well. Um, probably need to get rid of some of these because they're just kind of sitting around <laughs> now but yeah, uh, yeah I've, got, I've got quite a bit that's good but it doesn't look like you're a whammy bar kind of guy no no yeah, I, I was more like of you. a uh, yeah. more of a pedal pedal kind of guy. Uh, I, I had a huge pedal board uh had uh, you know wah pedals and had a lot a lot, a lot of ambient delays and stuff and some really thick distortion as well that's um nice. so so yeah I, I like to get creative with that but no no whammy that's good that's good yeah once i discovered the whammy bar i'm not good folks i'm not trying to say i'm good at anything i'm not but i enjoy it a lot <laughs> because um it is uh I am just blown away by you can go what you can do when you float the bridge. But anyway, that, <laughs> enough about that. Um, enough about that. Well, it was really fun having you here. And uh, thank you for taking the time to share your story with us. I think that we really would like to have you back to talk about your journey as a CTO and some of the struggles that you're going through if you have the time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I'd love to come back. This was really fun. All right. And uh, check out this podcast, uh, his podcast, Code Story. And, um, and I will see if I can check out myself. All right, folks. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. If you are a new or aspiring software or web developer, I highly recommend you listen to the Mentoring Developers podcast. I've listened to most of the episodes and I was fortunate enough to find it, to discover it early on in my education. I was looking for a podcast, something audio only, that I could listen to while I was exercising each morning. And all of the other podcasts that I found were far too technical and frankly, just over my head. I didn't understand what they were talking about. And it, it was just very discouraging. So when I found the Mentoring Developers podcast, it, I felt a lot better. It, it made me feel a lot more confident, a lot more comfortable because the Mentoring Developers podcast is speaking to people like me who are new, very new to software and web development and trying to make their way and trying to understand all the different technologies and tools and words that are unfamiliar. So it's a terrific, terrific resource for anyone who is just getting into this field. And also the host, Arsalan, is providing a service which, as far as I can tell, does not exist. Um, his podcast is one of a kind, and uh, he has done a terrific job with it, and I'm very appreciative of the podcast. It's a service to the community, so I highly recommend you take some time and enjoy and learn from the Mentoring Developers podcast. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.